With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everybody. Once again, Tennis.com podcast. I am Ed McGrogan talking with Pete Bodo. Uh, Pete, how you doing? Good. How are you, Ed? Very well. Uh, this debate here is going to be uh, Romney, Obama for only the, the diehard of the diehard fans here, but that's you know presumably who are, who are listening anyway. Uh, so, you know, this debate here um, really went on in the comment section of your piece, Pete, on the fifth Grand Slam, if there really is such a thing, if it's really possible to even have um, to have a slam, you know, a number five, of course. Um, I kind of wanted to get your, your thoughts on that after a couple of reader comments here. And I thought the one that kind of summed it up to me really was by Daniel M.M., um, really kind of putting it simply, the biggest obstacle to a fifth slam isn't the calendar or the players, it's history. And, you know, I think uh, there's a lot to obviously be said for that. Um, but he does go on to mention that there was, apparent, there was a time not long ago when the Australian Open, you know, didn't really mean as much either. Um, just from your history there, can you just kind of just jump in about really the, the turn that the Aussie Open took from sort of that clear-cut fourth slam to getting onto the level of what we see now with the rest of them? Well, I would even call it a fourth slam at one point, you know, in the late uh, 80s, I guess, uh, right up through the early Becker years and stuff when it was still played at Kuyong. That was a big turnaround after Kuyong and also when they changed the date. You know, when it was played around Christmas time, it really just went off the radar as, as a Grand Slam tournament. I mean, Johan Creek won it. Vitas Gerolitis, you know, won it. Vitas, I think, was a better player than Johan Creek. But, you know, all, all kind of, Mark Edmondson won it. He was literally a sort of cobbled together, almost a wreck type player. God bless him. He did very, very well to become a pro because he was a pro for many years and, and made a living. But boy, you know, I mean, you know, it just did not have Grand Slam heft. And the thing that really turned it around was two things, the moving to date and also embracing uh, the new venue, which at that time was Flinders Park. Now it's Melbourne Park. And they built the new arena. They went to hard courts from that crazy grass at Kuyang where you had to run uphill to get to the net from one side. And, and you know, the rest is history. So, I, you know, I, I think history is changeable. To paraphrase Ian Tyriak, you know, there is no – where is the overriding law from above saying that there can only be four Grand Slams? Yeah. It, you know, at the end of the piece, actually, you do mention that um – you know whether or not you think that a fifth grand slam is even possible or whatever ending the year on a grand slam is you know theoretically possible if the australian open which we're talking about now wanted to head back to that december slot and really kind of become the you know the official year ending thing i wonder if if they if they so chose they could even push it back even further to win 
you know, to win, um, you know, the kind of the rest of the tournaments and in, you know, in Asia, Europe, for example, I don't know if that's really realistic at all, but that is, that is a thought that you, that you put forth about kind of what the Aussie open, um, you know, what it maintains. But I, I think that they just as much embrace that they're, um, really the start of a new year as opposed to kind of being the conclusion to a year that by that point seems to be kind of wearing thin with players, fans, et cetera. So, well, the main um, problem there a little bit is that there's, you know, they, they really want to do it during the school holidays. Uh, you know, their time slot right now is probably the ideal time slot that they could possibly have picked, drawing names out of a hat. And, you know, that's also true, I guess, of Wimbledon. I'm not sure it's true of Paris. I think the French Open probably wouldn't mind playing a little bit later in the year, but they can't because of Wimbledon. I think the U.S. Open, I, you know, I can, I can see them maybe going a week, week or two later when the weather's a little cooler for ideal circumstances. So there aren't that many people living in the ideal world, but the Australian Open is. Yeah, I, I do think to, to make any sort of these sweeping general changes that I think people propose – the problem is not only that one tournament really needs to move, it's that kind of all the tournaments have to really move in concert with it. So I think that's a, always a big issue when you read articles or propositions about what the calendar should do. And, you know, it's always a thing that's going to be harder than it appears at face value. Um, well, you know, here's another thing that could possibly work. I mean, if, if they wanted to do this, now you can argue whether there should or shouldn't be a fifth Grand Slam, but let's assume that people say, yeah, you know, we really need one more Grand Slam. The, the thing that would really, really, really help us in terms of, you know, public exposure and, and public interest and stuff would be a fifth Grand Slam. In that case, you know, there's a very obvious solution, which would be to turn the World Tour Finals into a Grand Slam format. Because I think I mentioned in the piece that the real problem with the World Tour Finals, you know, getting the kind of credibility and a kind of traction it has always hoped to get, is that the format is so radically different from tournament tennis and especially from Grand Slam tennis. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to be like a Grand Slam, if you want to have the heft of a Grand Slam, well, then do it like a Grand Slam. That automatically, I guarantee you, whichever tournament would do it, whether it's, you know, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Sony Ericsson, the Miami 1000, or even Indian Wells, if they went to two weeks with a best of five alternate day play format, bingo, instant grand slam. I mean, to me, how do you refute that? But of course, no, you yeah, able to do that. You actually got to a point I was going to make a little later to kind of end it was about the World Tour Finals, because when we talk about if there's any chance of another Grand Slam, I think that's really the property that by default seems like it, it would make this one of the strongest cases for it. It, it because in effect, you know, it has that connotation amongst fans of being, you know, a tournament of significant importance. It, it effectively, it actually does end the year, unlike the U.S. Open, which I think in many people's eyes ends the year, but this one really does end it. Um, but, you know, compared to some of the other Masters events that really were designed to feed into the World Tour Finals, whatever you want to call it, it's gone through many years. You know, those tournaments, Indian Wells, um, for example, have clearly passed the World Tour Finals in stature on its own. So when you compare the season-ending championships to a tournament that is back in March, but I think almost anybody would say that Indian Wells kind of ha actually has a little more going for it. I think that's where the World Tour Finals kind of comes up short in many people's arguments saying, well, you know, by default, it's indoors, it's at the end of the year, that should be the fifth slam. So if, if you want to mention about the World Tour Finals, do you think that they should be going to a traditional tournament structure and kind of eliminating that round-robin unique format? 
Well, yeah, you know, I th- I think that would be good. I think that would be great if you could convince the players. But a couple things would have to happen. Number one, I think you would have to eliminate one or two tournaments and give these guys a little bit of time to rest and prep for the thing. Okay, that's a big deal because, of course, nobody wants to give up a tournament. And we saw when what with the debacle in Ham- or you know the the shift of Hamburg, what a debacle that became. A horrible legal battle, almost sank the ATP, almost made the ATP broke. If they would have lost that case, the, who knows what would have happened to the ATP? Uh, but you know, so. You know, it's not that you could you could easily say, well, get rid of the Paris Indoor in Vienna and a couple of the tournaments in Valencia, and then you could have you know a rest period and in a, in a Grand Slam final. But it isn't really that simple. The other big problem there, I think, is that the major problem with trying to have a Grand Slam type indoor indoor tournament is is you can't you don't have enough courts, so you couldn't have it like at the O2 Arena over two weeks. Uh, it would be impossible. It would have to be an outdoor tournament. That now again brings you to. Well, where could you play an outdoor tournament over two weeks that would get the kind of media attention and a kind of global television viewing, etc., that a Grand Slam gets? And there aren't too many answers to that. Yeah, I think one of the the biggest things that it would have to overcome is um, the seasoning championships have moved cons- many times over the years. It has not been in a consistent location. This goes for the men's and the women's. You know, to to have that either, I think it's either a thing where you kind of rotate it every year or you keep it in one place for good. And that's one stumbling block, I think, that it, that it doesn't have that permanence that people look for in an event, uh, you know, with gravity, like Grand Slam, for example. Um, and I was just kind of thinking about, as we're talking about other Masters tournaments, you know, tournaments that aspire to be Grand Slams may never ha- may never acquire that sort of capital to get up there. Really, not financial capital, but really just the historical capital. But I'm thinking about tournaments that, in recent years, have taken huge leaps and bounds over other tournaments, like the like Tyriac's Madrid Open and Ellison's Indian- BNP Paribas Open and Indian Wells. And you wonder if a couple of these um, second tier, but clearly at the cream of that crop could almost form their own little layer beneath the Grand Slams, but also above the rest of the Masters tournaments. I know they're all aligned with the ATP, but you know, at the end, I think when money can talk about these things, these tournaments really have a big leg up on the rest of the field, Monte Carlo, for example. Well, yeah, it's true, but I, I wouldn't want to break that up because you don't want to get too complicated. Right now, I think the ATP really, really hit a, on a super formula. Uh, the Super 9, you know, the, the Master Series, Masters 1000s, uh, and, and then, you know, the 500s and the 250s. 1,500, 250, very easy to remember. You know what's what, you know what's important, what's not important, and then you've got the four Grand Slams. So I, I really, really wouldn't monkey with that. I mean, clearly that second, there is a second, there is a de facto second sub-Grand Slam level, which includes those tournaments, even though they're only 10 days instead of 14, that waters it down a little. But they are combined events. They are best of three, which waters it down a little bit more. So, you know, the thing, the thing is this, you know, people say, well, you can't have another Grand Slam, etc. Well, the thing is, you can't have one until you do one. Uh, you know, so don't, you don't have a round robin tournament or don't have a 10 day combined event where where everyone gets a buy you know, main draw top seeds 32 seeds get a buy so so it's really a one week tournament for them that's not you know you can't possibly hope to to achieve kind of like mythical grand slam status with with that kind of an approach now there are reasons for the why the approach is that way i appreciate that but you know let's face it you you're you're dead in the water if you try that because you know it's not a grand slam I think I'll close a little bit by mentioning a couple comments that I read. You know, one that I, that I agree with in a way, and I wonder if you do as well, because I don't think it's really made 
perfectly clear whether you do believe or do not believe there should be a fifth slam. Um, you know, we have some commenters, Sam the Sham here saying, you know, simply we need a couple of months to watch football and miss tennis. I think missing tennis is the, kind of the key part of that, of course. And the Express writes, most sports have one championship. Tennis has four. It's already a lot. So you do have that kind of fatigue factor. But saying that, I was thinking about during the U.S. Open listening to a, a chat on Tennis Channel, I believe that um, Jim Curry was involved with. And he talked about really saying that Tennis to the every fan um, is about the Grand Slams and nothing else, really. And that's just the way it's been built up and the way that media coverage is focused on it. And, and to his point, he really said that, you know, tennis should be striking this even harder than it needs to be now. He said Grand Slam should be, you know, perhaps longer than two weeks. You maybe go two and a half weeks or something. And maybe, and maybe to kind of piggyback off that, maybe he would be a proponent of saying, well, if the Grand Slam formula is what puts tennis on the overall global athletic map, maybe you add another one and give it that same format and structure. So I think there are some different, different opinions on this, and I, I kind of just want to close by, saying, by wondering what you think, if, there, if, it, if it's necessary for tennis to even have another tournament or if we're just kind of fine the way we are. I don't think it's necessary for tennis to have another tournament. What I do think would be great, though, if we could pull it off, would be to have the year end with a kind of a championship. The other point, you know, the, the other point that the fellow who uh, or woman who pointed it out that the tennis has four grand slam, four championships, not just one, like the Super Bowl or or the NCAA Final Four or whatever. And the point, the the point that also goes missing there is that no other sport has four championships. So it's really what tennis really wants, in a sense, is what the World Tour Final has always wanted to be. You know, the season ending, ultimate authority, this is, you know, hopefully with the race for number one settled, as it might be this year at the championships, that's all really, really good stuff. I just think it would be better to really have that happen in a Grand Slam format, to have that be the fifth and final championship Grand Slam would be a great thing. But again, you know... It's easy to come up with these ideas. I can think of a million other good ideas that you can have, but then you look at the underground realities, and it's very, nearly impossible to pull off. They, you know, they had so much trouble just getting a date change and getting Madrid in there on a spring calendar. That you know, that that it, it, you know, the idea that if, if they're going to start moving tournaments around or killing tournaments or buying tournaments out, which is what it would have to be, uh, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime in the near future. It's always going to be an issue. It's going to be on the table here because uh, you know I, there is one more sport. In fact, I can think of that has four major titles basically, and it's golf. And you think about yes. what golf has. Golf has had the same troubles as tennis in trying to come up with something of value to end the year after its PGA Championship in August. Right now, it has its FedEx Cup, and no one could even you know ask any typical fan off the street. And they're not going to be able to give you any sort of sense of what that really means in the grand scheme of things. It's the Masters, U.S. Open, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's a problem, I think, shared by both sports and problem they'll probably be talking about a couple of years down the road. Maybe the next, maybe four more years, the next presidential debate, I'm sure we'll bring it up again. Exactly. Well, it gives us something to talk about. It, it does. So, Pete, thank you for that. And uh, we'll be back, Pete and I, another Racket Scientist podcast um, soon. And tomorrow, Steve Tigner and myself will be talking about this week's events going into the weekend over in Asia. Tune in next time, Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 